welcome to the Everyday Neuro podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Janine Cooper, and I'm aiming to provide you with the knowledge and inspiration to understand the fascinating world of the human brain. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how advances in research and technology are providing new information to improve the safety of playing high-impact sports such as gridiron, rugby and Australian rules football for children and adults. This will include an interview with Damien Hawes from Hit IQ, a Melbourne-based startup that has developed an innovative mouth guard to provide an incredible surveillance system that has the potential to further our understanding of the effects of high-level impacts during sport on our brain health and cognition, and also how this technology may be used in youth sport in the future. I'll be talking to Damien about his hopes for the mouth guard, its application to both adult and youth sports, and the role neuropsychologists play in a world of virtual reality and cutting-edge technology. But before I go any further, let's recap on what a concussion is. Broadly speaking, it can be considered as mild traumatic brain injury, or TBI, and for 80% of individuals, according to research by MacDesey and colleagues, complete recovery occurs in about 7 to 10 days. However, for some, symptoms can persist for several months and may be much more severe. For those of you who would like to have more knowledge on this topic, including concussive symptoms, syndromes and assessment, then please listen to episode four of this podcast series where I talk in detail about head injury and in particular concussion, including the physical, cognitive and behavioral changes that can occur. As I mentioned in episode four, in recent years, more focus has been placed on concussion in high-impact sports, and this has led to a lot of people becoming more concerned about the long-term effects that an impact to the head may have on brain function, with a number of parents and caregivers choosing to not allow their children to take part in such activities. Rather, they favor sports with a perceived lower risk to their child's health. Unfortunately, much of the information that is provided in the media that parents may read or hear about is sensationalised and on occasion not linked to the evidence. It also relates to a small sample rather than viewing the larger cohort of players who are enjoying and playing high-impact sports. Of course, the recent increase in research in this area is much needed to allow a thorough investigation of the effects of sustaining a high impact to the body or head on player brain health and well-being. But until now, the analysis has been more subjective than objective. Fortunately, times are changing. In a very recent 2019 study by Brian Rieger and colleagues, published in the Journal of the International Neuropsychological Society, 24 adolescents aged between 13 and 17 years of age reporting post-concussion symptoms were compared to 24 controls matched for age and gender across a battery of tests and surveys. According to the researchers, the results indicated that adolescents who reported post-concussion symptoms do not perform differently from peers on most neurocognitive and academic tasks, yet they did show considerably more worry, somatization, academic concerns and feelings of inadequacy than matched controls. This finding suggests that interventions to address psychological and academic stress may be indicated for adolescents symptomatic from concussion. These findings are often seen anecdotally in children and adolescents after they have visited the emergency department for a head injury, even when no trauma is seen on neuroimaging or in subsequent neuropsychological tests. 
Personally, I wonder if the long-term effects are often related to mood or if there could be subtle changes that occur in the microstructure of the brain that cannot be easily detected using typical imaging techniques such as MRI and CT. In agreement with Brian Rieger and colleagues, I believe this is an area of research that warrants much more investigation as mood can also have an effect on the longer-term cognitive outcomes of a person. So how do we limit the impact that head injury sustained during sport has on a player, especially when it's in our younger generation? One of the first things that has to occur to improve safety is that a concussion has to be identified and reported. Often the culture within high-impact sports means that players do not always realise that they've sustained a concussion, or even if they do, they do not want to let their team down. The effect of team culture on reporting was reflected in the results of a 2016 study by Brodie Ingham, who features in an interview with me in episode 4, when she investigated concussion in amateur Australian gridiron players. Another issue is that often the damage to the brain is not immediately evident in the typical physical symptoms people associate with brain injury, such as dizziness, sickness and confusion. Rather, these issues may appear hours later, and as a result, players continue to complete the game unaware of the silent injury. Now, you might be surprised to hear this, as current play suggests there should be a medical coach assessing play. However, it occurs more than it should, even in youth sports where there is a particular emphasis on safer play from trainers and parents. Even the most diligent observers may not be aware that a concussion has occurred. In professional sports, including the Australian Football League, players take part in pre-season cognitive testing to provide a baseline by which to compare performance during the season should they receive a knock to the head to ascertain if they are safe to return to play. Unfortunately, it seems that even these measures are being manipulated, with a recent story unfolding as I write this podcast of an AFL player apparently deliberately performing worse on the baseline test so that he would not be removed from play. This player has subsequently been delisted and the AFL are looking into the claims. However, this kind of behaviour appears to be rare and in an attempt to reduce the likelihood of a long-term impairment to the brain after sustaining a concussion, guidelines and measures have been developed to help coaches and parents know when a player should be removed from the game to receive care and support. Since releasing episode 4 of this podcast series, an app developed by researchers at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute in Melbourne called HeadCheck has been released and aims to provide a way to educate parents and trainers to recognise when medical attention is needed after a head knock occurs. According to the research statement from MCRI featuring leading child neuropsychologist Vicky Anderson, One of the app's key features is that it offers parents a recovery guide based on the latest research and clinical guidelines that is tailored to each child. The app provides support for parents to get their children safely back to school, play and contact sport. The HeadCheck app is endorsed by the AFL Chief Medical Officer and it's now included in the Level 1 First Aid Trainers course managed by the AFL. You can read more about this super app in the show notes, including insight from AFLW player and head check ambassador, Brittany Benici. To check out the show notes for this and every episode of the EN podcast series, go to everydayneuro.com.au forward slash podcasts and click on the show note links. So what does the future of surveillance of head injury hold? 
GPS systems enable information regarding speed and distance to be calculated, and for about 10 years, US companies have used impact sensors placed in football helmets to try to build models to provide a probability of concussion by using what we call head kinematic data, which is essentially the properties and features of the motion of the head. And so they take this information from the helmets to try and diagnose concussions. Unfortunately, there's been a problem. According to Damien Hawes of Hit IQ, who I'll be interviewing shortly, these sensors only take the information from the level of the helmet and not from what was happening within the brain. Hence, they were rejected early due to inaccurate results. So could a new mouth guard engineered by Hit IQ be the answer? With a team of over 20 people, including neuropsychology researchers, engineers and sports scientists, HitIQ believe they have a unique algorithm that can shed light on what is happening at the level of the brain when a person is involved in a high-impact collision. I now talk to Damien about the Nexus A9 mouthguard, HitIQ's hopes for the future, including youth sports, and how there will always be a need for a practitioner, such as a neuropsychologist, in diagnosing and understanding concussion in a world of virtual reality and cutting-edge technology. Thanks a lot, Damien, for joining us on this Everyday Neuro podcast episode. I'd like to start by asking you, what does the A9 Nexus mouthguard offer that the current observational method potentially lacks at this stage? So one of the problems right now is the current best practice of athletes at risk of a concussion is that sporting bodies put the onus on the athletes to self-report and they also put the onus on medical stakeholders to try and spot the signs and symptoms of a concussion in the heat of the battle. So the problem is that athletes are being coached and trained to have a warrior mentality, and in the heat of the battle when they get concussed, they're not in the right frame of mind, one, to self-report, but secondly, they don't want to show vulnerability. Can you tell us your thoughts about the culture that's currently within high-impact sports and Please can you comment on what some of the current issues are with identifying and also reporting concussion? Well, the culture is starting to change, but the problem's always going to be that athletes, when to use their terminology, they get their bell rung. They're not in the right frame of mind to go and self-report because they're completely out of it. Their cognition centres have shut down. So they're acting unconsciously in some instances and they're not the right person to self-report. So therefore, we want to take the onus off the athlete and we want to take the onus off the medical stakeholders. Because for those guys as well, it's really hard for the doctors to spot the signs and symptoms of a concussion in the middle of a game. They can't always actually see the athlete being injured. But then secondly, a lot of athletes who actually get concussions are asymptomatic. So they don't start to display signs and symptoms of a concussion until the game's over. So they've continued to play the game with the concussion and therefore they're at risk of further damage. So can you tell us what is the Nexus A9 mouthguard and how how does it work? So essentially what we've done is we have taken a custom fit mouthguard. We've put a flexi plastic circuitry board inside of it that has high resolution accelerometers. So accelerometers measure force. Our accelerometers measure force on three different axes. So vertically, horizontally and laterally. We're taking about 15,000 sample points per second. And when we present data, we're not presenting data from the level of the mouth guard. We've got a specialized algorithm that takes the data from our mouth guard and infers it as force through the center of mass of the athlete's brain. 
So each one of our mouth guards is custom fit and custom calibrated for that athlete. I love that, that it's tailored to the athlete. So what's the market currently like in this area? It's a challenging market. It's a very sceptical market. Uh, it's a very critical market. So it's important that your product is accurate and reliable and probably most importantly, comfortable and of a low impact for players. Otherwise, the players won't wear the mouth guard and you won't get any data. Right, because you've said to me that you've actually worked with players to really develop it so that it does seem part of their mouth and they're not aware of it, which obviously is, is fantastic. I mean, for me, it's all about the efficacy. So how are you going to test this product and see how um, reliable it is? From a QA data point of view, we have a Hybrid 3 head form, which is the head form that they use in crash test labs. We've got nine accelerometers inside of that head form that are calibrated to measure force through the center of mass of its brain. We've built a maxilla, which the mouth guard clips into. And of course, one of the reasons that we get such accurate data is essentially we're attaching sensors to the skull. And that's, that's the best way to measure head kinematic data. So we clip our mouth guard onto the maxilla, onto the head form, and then we have an impactor. Um, we can impact it vertically, horizontally, from a linear angle, from a rotational angle, from just about any angle that you can think of. And we're comparing the data coming out of, out of the mouth guard to the data that comes out of the head. So to date, do you believe this is the most accurate information regarding the way that high impacts affect the brain? 100%. And I think the reason that we've had um, such success so far in implementing and deploying our product into the AFL, into the NRL, we're just about to deploy into rugby un professional rugby union in Australia, um, and we're deploying next month into collegiate football in the US to um, the University of Tennessee, South Carolina, and Brigham Young. The reason that we're deploying there is because the researchers in the game who know, know that the only accurate way to get head kinematic data is through an instrumented mouth guard. HitIQ have developed a set of virtual reality neuropsychological tests. So I'd like to know, can you tell us how you're going to integrate the data from the mouth guard with this VR data? Okay, that's a wonderful question. So the golden ticket for us is to have a probability of concussion. So we've just put Bluetooth 5 inside of our mouth guards. That's going to allow us to stream data line of sight about 100 metres. Our vision with our mouth guard is that you'll have a doctor or a physiotherapist or a medical services manager on the side of a field. We'll have all the athletes wearing our technology and when an athlete gets a hit that leaves them at risk of being concussed, we'll stream via real time and alert to that doctor on the sideline to say, put a spotlight on this player and this player should be assessed. So we're not a diagnostic tool, but we are essentially a surveillance system. And obviously you're able to do things that perhaps haven't been able to be done before when the sensor is in the helmet. So could you tell us what is the main aim for HitIQ? It's a great question. So what, what we want to do at HitIQ is we want to be an end-to-end -end provider of technology that assists in the detection, diagnosis and rehabilitation of sports-induced brain injuries. So our Nexus A9 instrumented mouth guard is the detection system. Once the athlete goes to the side of the field and gets diagnosed with a concussion by the doctor, two days later, we would like that athlete to use our virtual reality system that will be built out with a number of neuropsych tests, and we want those tests to pinpoint where the impairment lies. 
do you have experts in brain functions such as neuropsychologists involved in reporting the results of your analyses? We actually have two neuropsychologists who are directing the validation and the development of our virtual reality system. But essentially what we're going to do is once we get our system validated, it should be the validation should be complete early 2020, our VR system will provide reports essentially at the end of the session comparing that athlete's data to their baseline and then as well to a cohort of concussed athletes and a cohort of non-concussed athletes. I mean, that sounds like really good methodology, Damien, but at the moment there is a growing concern that perhaps technology and virtual reality, when they automate assessments and also the outcome reports, that there might be a loss of the actual need for a neuropsychologist or a practitioner to be involved. Could you tell us what your thoughts are or what HitIQ's um, views are on this? You always need a practitioner assessing the data and making the final call. We're just trying to provide objective data to empower them so that they can make better decisions. That's all we're trying to do. The advantage of of virtual reality is that it's very isolating, it's very immersive, and therefore it's much more sensitive compared to the neuropsych tests currently done with pen and paper or just done on an iPad. So as well as the Nexus A9 MarthGuard being used in the elite sport arena, do you see this technology in time becoming available for the use of many people, including youth sport? Obviously, the youth sport market would be a massive market for us. So eventually, we'd love to get there. For now, our focus is the elite sports market. Um, For us, we feel that it's the best place to validate our products. That's where I think the best practice of this technology will emerge from, and then we can leverage that technology and the best practice down to the level of the youth. So from our end, once we know that our product in the field is accurately flagging athletes at risk and providing a probability of concussion, then I think, which realistically is is probably 18 to 24 months away, um, I think at that point, then we can start to look at the youth market. Do you think that this technology will help inform parents as well as caregivers about the incidence and the effect of sustaining a high impact to the body or head on their child's safety? I think what it's going to do is it's going to kill a lot of the hysteria and it's going to show that youth sports is actually quite safe. So the most important thing when it comes to youth sports is identifying a child at risk of concussion and removing that child from further risk. But that's a very rare event. It's just that when it does happen, it's so important that they need to come off the field. Um, so I feel that really we're just going to be another set of eyes, an objective set of eyes that will be very rarely used, but is essentially still a necessary technology. Would Hit IQ like to be involved in contributing data to the Safe Play Guidelines? I'm, I'm sure you would. We'd love to, yeah. 100%. And that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We look at the current practice... Um, and it's all subjective based. I think that they're doing a pretty good job, but clearly there's a potential for a pretty big error of margin there. So um, we can really reduce that error of margin by having our surveillance system in place. I think it sounds like you really are going to be addressing many of the issues that currently do worry people who are playing the sport as well as coaches and parents Damien, you've given us so much wonderful information and it'll be great for us to know where can we go in the future to learn more about this mouthguard and also the research that you're currently conducting? That's an excellent question. So we've got a number of studies um, happening right now. So 
we've got, and those studies are going to be published. So we've got a study that's happening in the NRL, in National Rugby League, and that's through Harvard University. And essentially what we're doing there is we've got four teams currently using our technology. We've got one of them being Melbourne Storm, um, the Manly Seagulls, South Sydney Rabbitohs, and Brisbane Broncos. And essentially what they're looking to do in that study is, because nobody's done it before, we're going to firstly collect head kinematic data and see um, what, are the, what are head impact loads look like in rugby league. Then secondly, the researchers want to be able to associate head kinematic data with diagnosed concussions to start to look for trends. And then thirdly, they really just want to validate our product in National Rugby League. So they want to make sure that when we're capturing impacts, they're true impacts, um, that we're not missing impacts. And then they want to differentiate between what does an impact look like when somebody gets struck directly to the head versus what does an impact look like when somebody gets hit hard to the body. Another study that we have going on is uh, with St Mary's Football Club based down in Geelong. That's using a DTI machine, which takes a high-resolution coloured image of the brain. So we're doing a cause and effect study there, and we're looking at both concussive impacts and sub-concussive impacts, which is really interesting. So we're taking pre-season DTI scans of the players, post-season DTI scans of the players, and any time an athlete gets diagnosed with a concussion, we're taking a scan within 72 hours. What's really interesting about that study is that we're going to be looking at repetitive head impacts across the course of the season, how the advanced neuroimages actually change from an observational point of view over the course of the season, and then we're going to be associating those changes with neuropsych performance testing. So we want to get to a point where we can actually say, well, yes, it's not just about concussive impacts, it's also sub-concussive impacts, and we want to find out at what point is somebody at risk um, of having a cognitive or behavioural impairment due to the number of repetitive head impacts that they've been exposed to. Oh, it really does sound like it's the future of safe play and I'm really looking forward to seeing this technology and how it goes in its efficacy testing. Thank you so much, Damien. I've absolutely loved coming to the offices of Hit IQ, and thank you for letting me use all your virtual reality. It's been an amazing experience and I really am quite excited to see the outcome, especially of the DTI study. So thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So there we go. Two new innovative ways to support and surveil high impact collisions in sport. I look forward to reading and hearing much more about the Head Check app and of course the Nexus A9 mouthguard by HitIQ. Hopefully with such data we can become more aware of high risk activities and improve player safety and reporting. Ultimately, this will help us to continue to change the culture within high impact sports. And in general, even if you don't enjoy vigorous exercise like we've been discussing today, remember that every little bit helps. So even a brisk 15-minute walk can be beneficial. It really is that simple and it doesn't have to be a full-on training session for your brain to produce the beneficial neurotransmitters to elevate your mood. So that said, I'm off to stretch my legs and improve my well-being. Until next time, thanks for joining me and take really good care of that amazing brain of yours. Bye.